This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this, too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Great to be here on another busy weekend, J. Doc. And as we transition into what is the tail end of the year here in 2022 with midterms now uh, in the rearview mirror, and we can start to look ahead, I feel as though our conversation on the Labor and Energy Show has progressively taken steps forward. We continue to educate, and we have a returning guest today. Uh, we're going to expand the convo today with our special guest. Good good conversation in front of us. Absolutely, Joe. We're up in the ante, okay? Uh, our goal is always to educate the public uh, on, on labor and energy issues. And, uh, you know, today uh, we have a, a, a great guest uh, who is no stranger to the broadcast. Going to be a great show. Yeah, and just a reminder before you introduce John Hours, our special guest today, if you miss any of today's show, the Labor and Energy Show, or if you want to consume uh, one of our previous shows via podcast, uh, go to Apple or Spotify, search the Labor and Energy Show, and you can download uh, the show. Perhaps, J-Doc, you will download uh, one of our uh, specials uh, that we've done uh, over the last two months. We've done three great one-hour specials. All of the shows have been great, but our three great one-hour specials are getting a lot of play uh, on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely, Joe. The Labor and Energy Summits. Uh, we've had the Refining Summit. We've had the Shale Summit. Uh, you know, we've had a, a, a ton of different uh, educational shows, but also really entertaining. And by the way, um, this is all about educating the public and 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 on in a language that they can. If, if I can understand it, Joe Krause, then then our listeners going to get it. It's a in some cases. It can be a complicated conversation. We, uh, for lack of a better term, dumb it down and, and, and make sure that uh, we translate for the people. I'm ecstatic to bring on to the program uh, John Hours, who's the managing director of RBN Refining Fuels Analytics. John, how are you, sir? I am doing great, guys. Great to be on the show again. Well, it's great to have you back. Uh, certainly, a lot has happened since you were last on back in May. Uh, before getting into the, uh, you know, the specific topics in the conversation, can you kind of provide us with a big picture overview of the state of the global oil and petroleum products market and and the implications for the U.S. Well, uh, you know, as you said, lots happened. A lot's happened in the last uh, few years. In fact. Uh, you know, uh, since we uh, moved into this decade, I want. I, I, I rarely quote, uh, you know, long dead communists, but, you know, one quote from, uh, from Lenin that always sticks in my mind is what's happened just in the last few, uh, uh couple of years. Uh, Lenin said there are decades where nothing happens and then there are weeks where decades happen. Sure. You know, and it's, it, it hasn't been just a matter of weeks, but it's been just a couple of years when we've seen just a, a roller coaster in the energy business. We had uh, 
uh, the COVID lockdowns began in, uh, in early 2020 and led to uh, the biggest decline ever in uh, petroleum demand. Uh, we, we, we saw petroleum demand drop by you know, 10 million, 12 million barrels a day globally. Uh, we, uh, that led to refinery shutdowns around the world. We lost over a million barrels a day of capacity in the United States. Uh, all the refiners, uh, uh, upstream companies, midstream companies were all just bleeding red, uh, losing money. Uh, and at that time, if we look back to, towards uh, early 2021, uh, nobody expected that uh, demand would come back as quickly as it did. But uh, as as um, you know, the COVID, the impacts of COVID uh, became better understood, uh, lockdown ceased. We've had really strong return in demand, and that uh, led um, the industry, both the upstream and the downstream industry, uh, up the roller coaster hill uh, to, to levels where we haven't seen the kinds of profits uh, that they've experienced over um, over this year. Um, probably in history. So you've gone from the lowest lows to the highest highs for the industry. It's a, it's always been a cyclical industry, but never more cyclical than what we've seen over the last two years. Um, obviously, anytime you, you get to uh, these kind of profit levels and price levels, you know, government tries to intervene. Uh, and oftentimes, their, their goal is, while well-intentioned, uh, it actually leads to even worse, worse impacts. I know up in the Northeast where you guys broadcast from, everybody's worried about heating well supply. Yep. Uh, that's a legitimate legitimate worry. Uh, globally, uh, the, the distillate fuels market, which is heating well, which is a part of it, uh, is the tightest of all the different uh, product markets. There's a variety of reasons for that. And I can get into that uh, here in a second. I just wanted—I didn't want to get into details on that yet. Sure. But uh, there's a lot of reasons for it. And the best way to get ourselves out of that is to let the, the uh, refineries and the oil producers do what they do best, is to respond to market signals. Uh, and and they've been doing that. They've been running full out. Uh, and and I think I think we we could be in, in in shape to weather this crisis. It does depend on a lot of unpredictable things like weather. And how cold the winter is going to be, and uh, in, in that part of the world, what, what happens in some of the rest of the world? Obviously, the Russian-Ukraine environment going on there has really impacted uh, the whole the whole oil market, the whole oil industry, and, and in particular this bit because Russia is a big exporter of distillate fuels. Uh, but uh, and, and what China does matters. You know, China basically controls their whole industry. They they actually had a significant excess refining capacity that fell that back from this last uh, the last year or so. Now they've recently opened up uh, their export quotas uh, and they're putting more fuel on the market. But John, um, real before other, let, let, let me jump in there for a second because uh, you, you mentioned China and their ending their zero COVID policy and um, concern, obviously, uh, will the world be able to, to produce enough oil to meet demand uh, in light of uh, the zero COVID policy by China? What are your thoughts? Uh, I think I, th- I think we will. Uh, it, what China does regarding their, their COVID policy is, is totally unpredictable. Uh, they're really the only country still um, – enacting lockdowns, economic lockdowns that are that impact demand to any great extent. And they do it in sort of capricious fashion. So they, you know, institute a lockdown and they open things up. It looks like they're probably pulling off of the zero COVID policy and opening up their uh, economy. And that would lead to more demand, as you said, and that, you know, in a tight global market, any incremental uh, impact on either supply or demand is going to make it even tighter. Uh, so it's hard to tell exactly what they're going to do. I do think that, uh, that we're going to weather this storm. Again, it does depend on, you know, uh, on weather impacts, how, how cold it's going to be. It does depend on how uh, what, what the economic activity levels are going to be. Uh, we do have, uh, on the supply side, the good news is here in the next six months or so, there are, there are several large refining projects that are starting up. Uh, including one in the United States, uh, uh, Exxon Mobil, uh, Beaumont Expansion down in Texas, uh, is due to start up in uh, the first quarter of 2023. Uh, Valero is also starting up a project in, uh, in that same part of Texas, in the, in the Triangle area, in Port Arthur, in the first quarter, which will add uh, 
additional product on the market. And there are a couple of big Mideast refineries that are going to be coming up. Um, you know, on the upstream side, OPEC does have spare capacity. I do think that they're probably going to uh, loosen it up a little bit. They've tightened, tightened it here in a more recent meeting. Um, China, as I mentioned, is is uh, removing some of their limitations on export, product export quotas. So, and they have significant spare refining capacity. So there are some some levers that different uh, industries in, in in the world can can do to help on the supply side. Uh, the demand side is is a, is a guess on what's going to happen there again. Whether the economy is going to going to play a role. So um, the next two or three months are were were, were going to be tricky. Because we're moving into winter. Um, and uh, demand for heating also eventually goes up, and they're going to depend on how cold it's going to be. Yeah, and, and it's a little scary. Jay Doc and, and John Hours is our special guest here on the Labor and Energy Show. That's what the listeners are worried about. We're, John just mentioned it. We're going into what is going to be here in the Northeast. We're going into a consolidated cold, call it next 90 to 120 days. Sure. Uh, so heating oil. You don't have to look past the news. Heating oil and the expense of heating oil is going to be very yeah, No doubt about it. And, and it's, it's really scary when you're sitting here worried about having a, a cold winter. Okay? When you're sitting there going, geez, I hope it's not cold. I mean, you got, you, you know, I hope it's not a, 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 you know, an overly frigid winter. Um, and certainly, it's hard to believe that we're even worried about that in this day and age. In some cases, we've done it to ourselves. Uh, John, let, 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 let's talk a little bit about petroleum products. Uh, prices are, are they remain high? Give us your thoughts as as to why that is, and 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 where you think gasoline, diesel, and home heating oil prices and supplies are headed over the next few months. Yeah. Well, let, let me let me hit to this. I started talking a little bit about why we're so tight on diesel and heating oil in particular. That's the middle of the barrel. Uh, it's heavier than uh, than gasoline. It's lighter than the uh, resid fuels. So that, that's a, a key component of the whole overall product mix. What's happened is it's been hit by several things specifically. One is we've had this uh, uh, International Maritime Organization regulation that went into effect in 2020 uh, that reduced the level of sulfur that ships can, uh, uh, on the bunker fuel that ships can use to power their engines. Uh, we didn't see the impact of it back in 2020 just because we had all those COVID lockdowns and overall demand fell. But now as demand has returned, uh, we're starting to see it. And what, what the effect of that regulation is, it, it basically uh, requires more, there's not enough uh, low sulfur resid fuel. Most most bunker fuel is composed of resid, uh, heavy fuels. Uh, but there's not enough low sulfur uh, resid fuel available to, to uh, meet that low sulfur demand. And we've got to put more lighter middle distance barrels, uh, marine diesel, into the pool. And so we've basically taken a, a net of about 700,000 barrels a day of incremental distance it's on a global basis uh, from the, the overall middle district market and moved that into bunker fuel. So there's more competition for these middle distance barrels that go uh, into trucks, into jet. You know, jet, jet fuel is also a middle distance barrel. And it go into uh, heating oil, and now uh, more of it's going into the bunker market. So, and that's a big number, 700,000 barrels a day. Well, what is and the purpose for that, John? What was the purpose for that, uh, that regulation uh, by the maritime organization? Environmental, just to reduce sulfur levels uh, and have cleaner burning fuels in, in marine engines. So it's purely an environmental regulation. It has been a long time in coming. They've been discussing that for years, and probably that it's in effect in 2020. Uh, again, the effects of it really are starting. We're starting to see it this year because we had a significant decrease in demand during the COVID lockdown, so that, that masked the effects uh, in 2020 and 2021. So it was an environmental road, just like we had, just like our move to low sulfur diesel, just like our move to uh, low sulfur gasoline, and we finally um, uh, went into low sulfur bunker fuel. So uh, just it just increased uh, the seven hundred thousand barrels there. Uh, another factor, obviously, everybody knows the Russia-Ukraine war uh, has driven down Russian exports. Russia was the second biggest exporter of refined products after the United States. Um, that because of sanctions and other uh, reasons, uh, we've lost um, about eight hundred thousand barrels there of Russian 
um, refined products uh, on the market, and that's going to continue to go down. Uh, about 400,000 barrels of that's distillate or middle distillates. Again, the material, the material that goes into heating oil and diesel fuel and jet fuel. Um, in addition, uh, the other effect of the Russia and Ukraine war is uh, they're a big exporter of uh, natural gas into Europe. Uh, natural gas prices in Europe, in particular, have soared, uh, and that's caused them to have to shift uh, to burning diesel instead of natural gas. And that's another, you know, 200,000 to 400,000 barrels a day of, of diesel that's moving into another market into uh, generating electricity instead of uh, the high, uh, the high price natural gas that we're using. So fuel shifting, uh, you know, IMO, um, the, the, uh, uh, all of those impacts on diesel. And then in addition, on the supply side, we've lost all that refining capacity I mentioned during the lockdown, both globally in the United States. So refiners don't have the capacity and the production ability to, to respond as, as much as they would have if they had that capacity still active. You, you know, you talk about um, home heating oil, okay? You have um, states in the Northeast, like Connecticut, and they've started rationing home heating oil because they're, they don't think they're going to have enough for this winter. Um, and, and, of course, there have been a lot of stories of potential heating oil shortages. Um, you know, along with the... You know, what, what what do you think about that? Tell our list. I mean, are we going to be able to meet the supply and demand um, when, it, when 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 the rubber hits the road? You know, I hope so. I hope we I hope we are. I, I, I again, I do see a little bit of um, sun on the horizon. You know, with these startups of refining capacity uh, that we anticipate in the first quarter. Uh, I hope that comes in time. Uh, you know, again. Uh, what the weather is going to be like is going to play a big, big role. Um, there's some events on the horizon that could lead to some a tighter supply. You know, we have the uh, EU um, crude export ban kicking in in December 5th. I don't. I think most of that. I don't know that there's going to be a big impact on that. I think most of it. Everybody's already prepared for that. There's also an EU-led uh, uh, product export ban of Russian products kicking in on February 5th. Um, that might have a bit of a bigger impact, but like I mentioned, we've already lost significant product out of, out of Russia, uh, uh, so I don't know that it's going to be a, a, a huge impact. Most of it's already taken place, the loss of that product, there's going to be some more we're going to lose. I do hope that the refining, refinery startups that take place over the next uh, three, four to five, six months, depending on how quickly those can come back, um, are going to help. Um, you know, we've had the, the BP Toledo refinery. Uh, came down because of that uh, horrific explosion there. Um, that facility will be restarted at some point in the first quarter as well. Um, hard to say when. Obviously, they need to get to the root of what caused that, that explosion and uh, make sure that uh, they fixed uh, fixed everything and are ready to, ready to restart, so they're going to be very careful. Uh, we've got a small refinery starting up in Superior, Wisconsin. It was down for... Uh, a couple of years uh, based on uh, because of an explosion back in uh, back two years ago. Uh, so there's some smaller capacity uh, coming back to the market as well over the next um, two to three months in addition to the Beaumont and Valero projects down in uh, Texas and then the global one. So there's some supply that it will be coming back up, but there's some supply that might fall off again. It's going to be it's going to be a touch and go for the next two or three months, unfortunately. Uh, that's all I can say. I mean, it's... Um, Stay warm is all I can say, you know, and, and put on put on a lot of clothes. I mean, it's going to be tight. I, I will add one thing, uh, and this is something we can't do anything about right this minute, but the, the fact that uh, the Northeast markets can't utilize the Marcellus gas that just sits right next door to them because of uh, the inability to put pipelines in place to put natural gas into those markets from that Gigantic natural gas field. That's that's just uh, unbelievable. Tragedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we we wouldn't be in this situation if we had um, that that natural gas uh, available in the Northeast markets. Um, and uh, you know, some some place, you know, some people are connected, but by and large, everybody in the Northeast is still dependent on that distillate field instead of natural gas. 
which is um, why they have the, are going to, you know, they're, they're more threatened than the, the, the upper Midwest or other cold, colder regions of the country, which are connected to, uh, to natural gas. I think tragedy is too mild of a term to use to describe uh, that as we go to a commercial break. John Hours is with us on the Labor and Energy Show with Jadoc and Krause. John is the Managing Director, Refined Fuels Analytics. We'll continue our conversation with John Hours after the break. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know that CO2 can be safely and permanently stored underground? Did you know? First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit FuelingUSJobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause, talking with John Hours. J-Doc, our very special guest for the full hour, you know, coming off our one of our best of the best uh, broadcast of the Labor and Energy Show. They've all been good for different reasons. We had a great, we put together a trifecta uh, a week ago um, that we played for uh, our listening audience. And it reminded me when I was listening to the show last week um, that there's so much information that we provide to the listener. And you wonder sometimes, I know just for me personally, I put myself in that, you know, in the mix, you wonder how much we understand. And, and, And I know that that's why we exist. And I know that that's why this show is here, but I'm sitting here in, 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 in very quiet, in a quiet mode right now, just trying to listen and consume everything that John, our special guest yeah, no is saying question. today. And, and by the way, it was a great uh, show last week. We had Sean McGarvey, National Building Trades President, obviously Rob Baird, uh, John Bland, uh, Jimmy Snell, and, and um, Greg Lalavey, uh, a lot of our labor leaders. Uh, it was a labor-based uh, program. Um, so it goes to show you that there's two sides to every coin, but uh, you know, a lot of the issues that we're talking about uh, right, right now with, 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 with John Hours um, are issues that impact uh, not obviously the general public, but also the, uh, our labor market. And so, um, you know, we're, 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 we're laying it out there uh, one step at a time. And uh, this is a, uh, an interesting conversation, to say the least. John, you, you know, you, you are, when you're talking about Marcella Shell and, and the fact that we can't deliver the fuel, um, because uh, obviously um, we have so many resources. Uh, the things that you're talking about are are, are, are they mostly self-inflicted? Well, many of them are, and you know that's uh, that's something that you know the, the human condition is that most of our problems are self-inflicted. <laughs> you know, just watching uh, from your area the football game from last night. You know, most of the Eagles' problems were self-inflicted. You know, so, uh, well, John, hold on. It, it wait, wait a second, John. Um, having right, said let me that, turn my mic back <laughs> on right now. <laughs> you got that's, that's a whole. You, you got that right. I was going to say that's a, an entire 
uh, you know, obviously, you the sidebar conversation, but you got some good points there. We 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 going out there, and of course, when we broadcast down on uh, on a big talk radio station down in Washington. So for all of our listeners down in the Washington D.C. area, yeah. your team, the Commanders, came into Philadelphia uh, and they handled their business last night. No yeah. doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, it's a, it, and it, and it is what it is. I, we we get in. John, by the way, where, where are you from? What area? Well, I'm, uh, I'm I live in Reno, Nevada, right now. I'm, okay. I'm a, uh, a you know te- I'm a Nebraskan and a Texan, so you know. Uh, but I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm really happy to see. I was getting I was nervous. Happy to see yeah, Jay Doc was giving me the bra- Jay Doc was giving me the cut sign if you were, <laughs> if you were going to say Dallas, uh, John. So you survived, sir. But you know what's interesting about it, and, and, and obviously, um, you know. Uh, you know, we you, when you look at uh, we just had a big run with the Phillies here in Philly, Philadelphia, and but you, I can tell you this, and I think it's a, an ironic we're talking about uh, you know our our uh, you know our situation with our fuels and 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 uh, our refining capacity and a lot of those situations and uh, so many part, uh, John the, the the point of this show is to educate our listeners in 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 uh, layman's terms, okay and. Uh, I, I went, we, you know, we had a good run with the Phillies, and I remember after one of the games that we won, I looked up, and I looked up. Uh, we were at the game, and, and nobody left. Okay, everybody, you know, it, it, for this in, in, in the city was uh, we, we had we had you know there was a common purpose, and everybody was happy and all those things, and it, it just reminded me how much more we have in common. But so many people are misguided in um, in areas of our traditional energy resources. And when we talk about uh, Marcella Shell and, 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 and the fact that we cannot, we, we're sitting on, uh, you know, what we're sitting on there, a gold mine to say the least, and the opportunity to solve a lot of our problems, um, people just don't understand the consequences of, of um, it, but they also don't understand the details and they don't understand the facts. Um, we don't have to do this to ourselves. We all care about the environment. Let's get that straight. There's no question. Um, but we need to be able to uh, create solutions, um, you know, together. And and so uh, you see how I'm segueing from that football game, John. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, and I actually didn't mean to get too much into that. The point I was trying to make is that you know you said it's self-inflicted, and and you, you mentioned the commanders also did a good job. But that, it's a combination uh, of your competition inflicting. Um, you know, self-inflicting issues on themselves, whether it's, you know, fumbling in a football game or, or bad energy policy and combine and, and you're doing a good job of what you do. And so the United States refining industry is actually, is, is a huge, really the biggest, biggest success story in, uh, and it's truly a manufacturing business, the biggest success story in the U S manufacturing, uh, industry. We've lost the steel industry. We're, you know, threatened the auto industry. A lot of our manufacturing has gone overseas. But from a refining standpoint, we are the, the United States industry is the most competitive, most effective, and efficient industry in in the world. Uh, they do it. Uh, you mentioned environmentally. They do it safely. They do it uh, cleanly. And uh, we've we've gone from being in the last 15, 20 years, we've gone from being the biggest importer of refined products to being the biggest exporter of refined products. And if it were critical. To the Latin America, to Latin America, they import one third of their uh, consumption comes from the U.S. refineries. Um, you know, in, in Mexico, two thirds of their of their, of their uh, consumable refined products comes from U.S. refineries. So we've we've done it because we've done a great job in the U.S. The government stayed out of the way in, in large part, though they've uh, been involved. They've they've put in some rules that make sense and guardrails that they're important from the safety and environmental standpoint. Uh, and other industries in Latin America and Europe, they they've not done that and they've self inflicted um, damage to their uh, refining industries and, and that's been to the benefit of the U.S. refining. Well, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about because. I feel like we're being taken advantage of by China. I mean, obviously, they're building refineries, they're building uh, plants, and 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 we are closing. I think we're going to we are going to close three plants. I think one in Texas, and I'm trying to uh, uh, two in California, two in California, right? And so, um, 
you know, we've had so much, you know, there, there, there's so many conspiracy theories in this on this planet. But it wouldn't surprise me if if uh, obviously, uh, you know, our our, our uh, counterparts overseas uh, are, are loving what what has gone on here in, in America. And I find it, um, you know, when you talk to some people who are only looking at one side they're uh, you know, when, when you talk about China building uh, so many refineries and, 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 and what they're doing, taking advantage of, of what we're shutting down here and the resources that we have, um, you know, people always say, well, we have things going on with them. And, uh, you know, when you look at um, uh, what India and, and China and 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 the admissions that they're, you know, just their increases are bigger than the entire United States. So it, it does get incredibly confusing. Um, and, 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 you know, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not hard to figure out why, you know, we're in the position that we're in. Right. Ch- China, uh, certainly is a threat. We, we have some intrinsic advantages over them, uh, in the energy sector that we have a lot more resource, uh, you know, oil and natural gas. They have to import, uh, both of those uh, commodities. Uh, I, I think operating in a free market environment has given us uh, big advantage. One reason why we are have become the most dominant uh, refining industry in the world. Uh, our big threat is that the government now is moving towards the market interventionist policies. They've threatened uh, product export ban, windfall, so-called windfall profits tax, things like this. So it would severely handicap our industry. Those are things that that are going in the wrong direction. They would they would think. They were negative. You know, we're taking we're taking our most efficient and effective and successful manufacturing industry and trying to handicap it. So that's what we can't afford to do. Sure. One thing that China has realized is that uh, the oil industry, the refining industry, uh, being a major supporter of it, is a national security. the most maybe the most important industry for national security concerns. Yep. And so they they treat it that way. We need to treat it the same way, uh, and and make sure we don't handicap it. Uh, and it, and it's that's good for uh, from a national security standpoint to be self sufficient and sure. find products and be in fact be an exporter. It's good for the economy. It's good for consumers. It's good for labor. So it's good for all segments of it. And like you said about the Phillies fans. Uh, everybody being in it together, yeah. we should all be in it together on this thing, and and and, uh, and I think we can be. Uh, so uh, that's my hope, uh, and I hope uh, a divided, uh, you know, we've had the, the midterms as you mentioned. Yeah, I hope actually a divided government it could uh, could potentially be a, a real positive because uh, it may be forced to compromise. Right, uh, we've seen that in the, we've seen that in the past when during the Obama administration, uh, the oil export ban was repealed through a compromise. That was very, very good for the U.S. oil industry, good for everybody, uh, because uh, a compromise was sort of necessary because you had a divided government. Absolutely. 100%. I totally agree with that. Let's talk about, uh, you know, you talk about the the prices um, of uh, gasoline, diesel, home heating, uh, uh, oil, uh, and and where, where are we headed there? It, it, it's just hard to say where we're headed. That's just going to be a difficult uh, the next two or three months. It's going to be, uh, I, I can't give anything. I'm, I'm hopeful, again, when supply comes back in in, in place uh, at the beginning of, uh, of uh, 20, uh, 2023, that we have some refinery startups and the things um, that we have more supply in the market. Um, China, we mentioned China, they're, they are a rival, but the fact that they have ex- opened their spigots for exports is a positive. You know, they have held back significant uh, capacity uh, over the first part of this year. John, uh, no, let me let me jump on that for a second, though. I'm a regular guy, okay? And it, and it, and it, 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 it may, now, and, and if you could just explain this to me and the listeners, because I think there's a disconnect. When, when we sit there and we talk about, Chinese uh, exports coming to the United States, and obviously that that giving us, um, you know, that giving us more, you know more resources uh, and more product. Obviously, um, it's confusing. It's a conf- it's confusing to me why uh, product coming from another country export it, it impacts us so greatly when we have the product right here. 
Okay, and I want to know why individuals that are, you know, why they're not picketing the ports like they're picketing our own. And I'm a, look, I'm a, I'm a labor Democrat, bro. I'm, I mean, you know, I've always thought about the environment and all that stuff, but common sense is common sense. Um, why uh, our people are not allowing our own product, uh, you know, to, to, to obviously, you know, be developed here and produced here, and why we have to depend on, uh, you know, China to, to impact our industry. It's confusing to me, and I'm sure it's confusing to people. Yeah, I don't get it either. And, and uh, quite honestly, uh, this move towards—and I'm, I'm not against electrification EVs—but uh, uh, this is blind move to uh, electrification at the expense of oil, uh, which which can, can can be a lot cleaner. You, there's a lot of things we can do, and, and are doing, industry doing to reduce the carbon impact of, of uh, petroleum production, petroleum transport, and petroleum refining. Uh, but to move to uh, uh, 100% towards electrification, which now the supply chain is completely dominated by China, is is going in the wrong way when it comes to energy uh, uh, independence and national security concerns. So we have to be real careful when we talk about uh, uh, you know, moving away from something where we are very well positioned in, which is the petroleum production, transport and refining of petroleum towards electrification uh, where we are disadvantaged relative to China. And, and John, you just said something, and I've been, you know, this has been something I've been talking about for a while. Um, we can, you just mentioned that we can improve our, our you know, environmental uh, concerns and, and, and technology in regards to, to, to petrochemicals. Um, just, I know we're going to go to break, but could you just touch on that for a second? Because I've always thought that we're shutting down uh, the the, the uh, organization and the industry that we should be working together with uh, on these issues. Well, absolutely, and with the refining, all segments of the oil industry are, are moving to reducing their carbon footprint in various ways through significantly increases in efficiencies in recycling and circularity. You know, for that term. Uh, you know, in a carbon sequestration, taking carbon and putting it into the ground. So there's a lot of things that the industry has, has been doing and will continue to do to, re- to reduce uh, their uh, carbon dioxide emissions, even as they increase uh, their uh, activity, their production and refining activities. So uh, the, and quite honestly, it, it's not even feasible to, to, to go as quickly towards uh, a, a fully electrified uh, transportation fleet, as as some people want to do. And, and John, and we're want. going to take a break right now, but that's you're damn right about that one. We, you know, we're we're creating mandates in this country, uh, and 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 we don't even have. We're not even sure we can uh, mine the critical minerals that, by the way, are being mined by uh, over in China and 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 uh, other areas of the world that that uh, where slave labor is a big deal. We don't even know if we're ever going to be able to, and we're likely not going to have those resources to do, to create the batteries. But we're creating mandates now that are absolutely ridiculous to to, to create right now. So we're on the same page there. The Labor and Energy Show with Jay. Doc and Krause. John Hours is our special guest. We'll take a commercial break. We'll finish it up on the other side. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know wind power depends on hydrocarbons? That's because inside those turbines are gears and axles, a generator, all sorts of moving and turning parts. And moving parts need lubrication. And lubrication means oil. Did you know? Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. 
Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And welcome back, everyone, to this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Doc and Krause. We thank all of our uh, listeners for uh, tuning in, for listening, um, for absorbing the information, and for coming back every week, Jay Doc. It's great to be able to provide and put on uh, a weekly show, this weekly show, the Labor and Energy Show. Yeah, and it's great to have our, you know, our, our country's foremost experts. Okay, talking on on in a common sense um, and an understandable uh, you know dialogue uh, for people to listen to, so they understand the consequences of their own opinions and actions. Um, John Hours, uh, who is the managing director of RBN Refined Fuels and Analytics, um, is our guest today. John, uh, the administration has expressed significant concern. Uh, overheating oil shortages, but by the same token, uh, the energy secretary reiterated recently threats, recent threats to, to refiners that they could look at banning petroleum product exports if the inventory situation doesn't improve. Won't, won't a product, a petroleum products ban, be counterproductive? No, absolutely. It's, it would, uh, it, it would be, it's not even worth for any period of time. As I mentioned, I think in the earlier segment. You know, there's so much of the rest of the world uh, dependent on the U.S. industry. Uh, you know, two-thirds of the product consumed in uh, Mexico comes from U.S. refineries. One-third in, in the whole Latin American region some, uh, comes from the U.S. refineries. Uh, some countries in Central America get all of their products in the U.S. Uh, Europe now has become, uh, you know, more dependent on U.S. imports. Uh, you know, since uh, the Russia-Ukraine war started, I mean, they're a key ally. Uh, the, the price of diesel globally would soar to maybe $200 a barrel if we banned the uh, U.S. product exports. Uh, it's not a workable situation. It would, uh, even if it was enacted, it would have to be reversed, I, I would think, pretty quickly. So uh, it's, uh, it's uh, something that's going to... Uh, going to backfire. Uh, it would just be a short-term uh, movement. It would, if it, if it was put in place or stayed in place for any length of time, uh, we see the same kind of lockdown, the same kind of shutdowns of refining capacity in the U.S. Uh, that we saw during the COVID lockdowns. And if they, like say, stayed in place for any length of time, uh, those shutdowns would be permanent. And then we'd be in a situation where supply, uh, refined product supply in the U.S. would, would forever be tight. So it's, uh, while there, there might have been uh, some short-term, uh, some very short-term minor uh, benefits on price, it wouldn't last long. And uh, it would just be, a, it's an unworkable situation. So uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the administration will pull that trigger. They actually do have, uh, through the, uh, the, an act in 1977, the International Emergency Economic Power Act, they theoretically have the uh, broad powers, the, the president himself, without congressional approval, to regulate international commerce in, uh, after declaring a national emergency. Uh, and, but you know, there's, you know, it's, it, 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 it's iffy whether they could actually you know, call call this a, na- a national emergency. We'll see what happens. I, I don't expect them to do it because I do think there will be significant pushback from the State Department and from our. Uh, from our allies in Latin America and, and, and Europe uh, in, in doing something like that. Because for, for them, it'd be, it would be uh, just unthinkable to lose access to U.S. Uh, products. And who's fuel, for lack of a better term, and, uh, yeah, uh, who's fueling, uh, you know, this uh, potential ban? Who's behind uh, it? Well, the, administra- yeah, the administration 
has been floating that. You know, you've heard uh, uh, the Energy Secretary Granholm uh, mention that if the refiners don't put more barrels into inventory, you know, we're looking at doing, you know, forcing them to do that through a potential export ban or some other uh, mechanism. You know, you know the reason uh, there, there are not more barrels going in inventory is because the, those barrels have to go into the market. Because if you put a barrel uh, into inventory right now, you've taken a barrel out from the market, which is already short. So right now, refiners are running full out and putting all their product into the market where it's needed, uh, you know, to the extent that there's a, 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 the ability to put the barrels in the inventory that would do that. But now the market's demanding that barrel. So, uh, you know, the, the industry will will respond to market signals, and they can do it effectively. Uh, what what happens when the government gets involved, you, you, you start distorting the market, and things just get worse. And what we have to do is, you know, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember, but I just, but I am. Back to late 70s and early 80s, uh, when the government, uh, you know, was inter- trying to intervene in the market to react to uh, the Arab oil crises that we had back in that period. All that did was backfire uh, and led to, uh, to less U.S. supply and less production and higher prices. So market intervention uh, by, uh, by the government in, in almost all cases leads to worse outcomes. And, and, and when we talk about uh, you know, our, our uh, foreign imports, how, how, how reliant are we on them? So, you know, we really aren't reliant. We are we are substantially in the, uh, energy independent right now, and, and really the other countries are more dependent on us. Yeah, no, I know. Latin America and but, Europe. But uh, what I'm saying is this, though. With everything we've done to ourselves at this point, it's mind-boggling. But, uh, you know, it could, it, when, I, when you sit there and, 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 and you know, you hear uh, about government inter- intervention and, and, and the potential uh, impact it could have on us and, of course, other countries that depend on us. Um, and, uh, you know, does, does, does it set our, are we setting ourselves up to be even uh, more reliant on, on, on fuel imports because of our own actions? We, we are. I mean, we were, we were at one time very dependent. You know, right. Like I said, we were the world's largest importer of refined products just 15 years ago. And now we've, we've, we've moved away from that. The industry has responded to... Uh, innovation, you know, we've developed a light tidal uh, and light tight gas uh, resource that we have. Uh, the refiners have, have, uh, have actually expanded capacity uh, during that period of time until you know, the most recent closures during the lockdowns. And uh, the, the industry has thrived over the last 15 years by uh, by allowing the free market incentives to uh, to uh, allow them to invest and increase supply. So. Can we go back to that period of time when we're dependent? Of course we can. Government uh, actions handicap the industry. Uh, and that's bad for, like I said, everybody. It's bad for uh, uh, the economy. It's bad for consumers. It's bad for labor. It's bad for our national security. Uh, this, this is an industry that's vital uh, to all segments of our business. You know, part of, part of our economic boom that we experienced, uh, uh, you know, previously before the COVID uh, period, uh, was really related to our low uh, energy costs, our advantage to energy costs relative to our competitors in Europe. Europe's in a bad way. You know, their their uh, costs they they put themselves in a really bad place by being by uh, increased dependence on Russia for energy, yep. by uh, too rapid a transition to uh, to uh, other sources of energy that would, which they weren't ready to get uh, go to. Uh, you know, Germany shutting down all their nuclear. Uh, Plants have got, got them the position that, that they were in, and we don't want we don't we should take a look at what Europe did to themselves and make sure we don't do that. To I, I, absolutely, uh, we're pro- so we got a, about a minute and a half left. I want to I want to close up on this one as we're staying on uh, on the topic of uh, uh, and, and touching on obviously the federal energy policies. The SPR has been drained of record lows. What, what do you think the implications are uh, of that? That's, a, that's a, a, just a terrible misuse of of uh, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. They've been basically the, the administration basically used the Strategic Petroleum Reserve as a market price manipulation tool instead of what it's meant to be. Uh, it's meant to be there uh, in place 
when we do have a real national uh, emergency, a real shortage, whether in time of war or some weather event or, or some other uh, event that causes us to be have a, have a shortage of product. And now, all of a sudden, we've, we've depleted that reserve to the lowest level it's been since we first started filling it up. Uh, and we, if there is a true national emergency, a true shortage of crude, we don't have the uh, reserve to be able to respond to it. Uh, it was a complete misuse of, of, uh, of the powers that the, that the administration has granted uh, to uh, to pull barrels out of that. Just, just really, I think, almost for electioneering purposes. Uh, let's make sure that the prices don't go up too high before the midterms, you know. Um, and, it, and in fact, it probably didn't do anything for prices. OPEC probably wouldn't have uh, cut their uh, production quotas if we hadn't pulled barrels out of our reserves. So instead of, uh, you know, they, they probably would have kept their quota the same or even increased them. Their, their, react, their, their cutting of the quotas was in large part reaction to what we were doing with the SPR reasons. Well, I'll tell you, John, uh, this, this, uh, this conversation, we haven't even had time to, to discuss RINs or the RFS, uh, which we've touched on uh, a lot on this program. Um, and so I'd like to, you know, I'd love to have you back because and, and, there's so much more to talk about. Um, uh, John Hours, uh, who, who is the managing director of RBN Refined Fuels Anal uh, Analytics, uh, we really appreciate your time and your insight, and uh, we look forward to having you on the broadcast again. Yeah, I look forward as well. You guys do a great service by educating the public. You know, the, the refining industry in particular is very misunderstood. You know, the public doesn't understand what they do. They're a critical part of the whole supply chain. Uh, everybody's, you know, uses either heating oil or natural gas to heat heat, uh, heat their homes and power them. There's places they use gasoline to uh, run their cars. So it's a critical industry. It's critical to be able to understand it. And uh, you guys do a great job of of, uh, of, of, of putting those issues out there to the public. And I'll be happy to be back on again and, you know, contributing in whatever way I can to help educating. You know, uh, there's, the you know, uh, John and Jay Doc, there's an unwritten rule uh, in uh, the talk radio industry. Never ask a previous guest to return to the show unless that guest can further educate your listening well, audience. And if which is why John, John did anything good today, he put an exclamation point on that statement. And that's an unwritten rule in the business. But well done. Great stuff from John Allen. Yeah, Anderson. John. Um, yeah, fantastic job. Keep doing what you're doing. Obviously, we appreciate it here. And uh, we, 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 I also appreciate the sentiments, my friend. Uh, you know, we're doing everything we can to educate the public and, 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 and give our industry a voice at the same time. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. On behalf of our special guest, John Hours, and of course, on behalf of J-Doc and all of our listeners, I'm Joe Krause. See you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson before the upcoming midterm elections and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.